I'm Philip Clodio, and you're listening to the Hashed Health Podcast. This show is dedicated to everything healthcare and blockchain related. Here at Hashed Health, we have begun this incredible journey of developing blockchain solutions for healthcare. And we have the privilege of being able to talk with amazing people about this subject every single day. The goal of this show is to include you in these conversations. Join us as we host meetups, attend conferences, and conduct interviews with our friends and other industry thought leaders. You can find more content like this at hashedhealth.com. That's www.hashedhealth.com. Or connect with us on Twitter at hashedhealth. Today's episode was recorded live at the Distributed Health Conference, where we interviewed the top speakers and attendees for their insights into the future of blockchain and healthcare. Our friend and colleague Clark conducted these interviews, and in this episode, Francois Debrant from the Alterm Institute shares his thoughts on payment reform and blockchain. Francois is the Vice President and Director at the Center for Payment Innovation, which designs and implements innovative payment and benefit plan design programs to motivate physicians, hospitals, and consumer patients to improve the quality and affordability of care. He has published two books on this topic, the latest being The Incentive Curve, The Real Relief for Healthcare. Let's listen in. Hi, my name is Francois Debrant, and I'm Vice President and Director of Altarum's Center for Payment Innovation. And uh, today I was uh, participating on a panel, but I also uh, work closely with John Bass at Hashed Health uh, in trying to develop some use cases for blockchain. I love use cases. I love to hear how those translate in the real world, so maybe we can get to those. So the big topic, it's going to be all around payments. And there's been a lot of dialogue already. This is just day one of the conference, and we've already covered a lot of ground. But one of the sessions today, and I'll, I'll let you kind of take it from here, but one of the, the, the talks, payments, was a huge discussion. And I think that puts a lot of context of what we're about to talk about with what you're seeing as some of the biggest trends right now with blockchain and your number one message that you're bringing here to the conference. So kind of catch us up to speed on what, what occurred earlier. Well, Neil, Neil DeCrescenzo started out with, uh, I think, a good recap of the magnitude that healthcare and healthcare transactions represent in, in the U.S., uh, $3 trillion worth every year, uh, billions and billions and billions of transactions. And all these transactions um, uh, are for individual services, individual services that individual patients get every day from different clinicians, labs, pharmacies, uh, and, and other providers of healthcare services uh, across the country. And um, we're stuck in this transaction world that was developed um, somewhere in the 1970s, 60s, 70s, uh, partially when uh, Medicare uh, was formally launched in, in, in the U.S. Um, and, and transactions needed to occur between providers and payers in a more systematic basis. Those same rules apply, uh, uh, still apply today. And it's, um, it makes sense at some level 
administratively. It makes no sense to clinicians. It makes no sense to uh, consumers. Um, but we've been stuck in this quagmire uh, for uh, multiple generations, um, and many of us think that blockchain technology has the potential uh, to get us unstuck. When you talk about getting unstuck, I know a moment ago we were talking a little about use cases and some, some examples. Can we maybe walk through one of those real quick? It was just kind of what this looks like when you really zoom in of, of how we're going from something that was from the 1960s and 1970s, what you just talked about, into present day. What, what are some good use cases that you've been thinking about? Well, there are a number of them. Uh, some of them are really simple. Uh, and uh, uh, on the panel earlier today, uh, Ray Hirschman talked about uh, just clearing up the identity of physicians and clinicians um, and other healthcare providers across the country, having a, a clean way of identifying every single clinician, every single healthcare provider, and the attributes of that provider, the kind of specialty they have when they were licensed. And there are some databases and data sets in the US that cover that stuff, but uh, they're disparate and there really is no gold standard. Um, and that's great, and I think it's, a, it's an important foundational step. Um, uh, from my perspective, which is really payment, payment, and payment, um, I, I think about the, the, uh, how we can uh, use blockchain as a way to create a different way of accounting for healthcare. So, as I said, uh, you've got these billions of transactions that um, uh, sum up to $3 trillion a year. And, and they don't make any sense to the consumer, they don't make any sense to the physician. Why? Because they're about individual services. An office visit, a lab test, a pharmacy prescription. But for you as a consumer, as a patient, that's a cold. That's management of my hypertension. That's recovery from an accident. That's a pregnancy and a delivery. For the physician, by the way, <clears throat> same thing, right? You go and see that physician, they know you're coming to see them for a reason. That's why they're treating you. But it's translated into these billions of transactions for individual services. And what we're trying to do is to shift back to a unit of accounting that makes sense. But in order to do that, you have to have a different way of walking through that continuum of care in order to trigger the payment between the third party payer and the provider determined by the patient in a trusted tripartite, uh, tripartite uh, relationship and that unblocks the funds that need to be unblocked for the proportion of time of management of that particular condition or that particular health event. Right? It's essentially converting what exists today in the healthcare system of buying nuts and bolts and pieces of wires and a uh, little bit of steel here and, and plastic there into purchasing a vehicle. Right? That's what we're trying to do. And we've been trying to do that for a lot of reasons, <laughs> uh, but we are stuck in this world of transactions and we need to figure out a way to shift it. So, how about we now, let's shift over to what your primary single message is that 
you're bringing to distributed health. What is that? And then let's talk a little about how that relates to some of the trends that's happening right now. So just picking up on <clears throat> on that analogy of uh, converting the purchasing experience or the payment experience from individual services, nuts, bolts, steel, plastic, uh, dials, et cetera, to purchasing a car. In order for that to happen, you need to move away from the 1970s style uh, transaction systems to far more flexible modern day um, uh, systems. <clears throat> and uh, the blockchain community in how it can develop the mechanisms through which, uh, as I said, the three parties involved in a healthcare transaction, which is the patient, the provider, and the third-party insurer, you're not going to disassociate those things because <laughs> there's a reason why there's insurance. If you have an accident, you need that money in order to pay for your healthcare expenses, or if you have cancer, God forbid, you need that money. So there'll be those three parties but we got to figure out a different way of distributing the money. So as soon as you start doing that, <clears throat> you're touching someone's income. Physician's income, hospital's income, right? I mean, you're, you're touching people's income. The shift, therefore, needs to be done in a manner that has complete trust in the outcome, meaning if I'm a surgeon, I'm still going to get my money. It may be in a different shape. It may come from a different party. It may include a whole bunch of things that aren't included in a single bill today, but it doesn't matter. And I need to be able to trust that transaction 100%. Right? And blockchain can, can, can do that. So these plan operations that have been legacy, um, uh, a, a legacy of the 70s need to change. Uh, many of them will be very difficult to change, but I think we can we can overlay on top of them just a different mechanism for all of the transactions that exist today. And in fact, I was saying, you know, if, if Change Healthcare, which is the <clears throat> name of the company, um, today they're trans they have 12 billion transactions. If we change the unit of measurement, the number of transactions that they're flowing through their systems today could drop down to a billion right, from 12 billion to 1 billion, but that would be great. I mean, think of just the fewer hassles of consumers not having to worry about all these extra bills that they get, reconciling them, all the nonsense that happens, right? It's terrible. Um, and all of that can be simplified if we have a different way of effectuating those transactions. And the different way is, what you're saying is blockchain. Yeah. Right. Simple well, as that? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, it's never simple, but blockchain has all of the elements that are needed to create that trusted relationship between the different parties that has to happen in order for people to be willing to migrate from what they know today to what, you know, potentially could be tomorrow. And again, it's not as if the, the consumers would mind because they hate the system that exists, the administrative system that exists today. It's more the fear of, you know, the individual practice or the surgeon or the anesthesiologist uh, who are used to every time they do something, submitting that claim and getting paid. And if we say, well, wait a second, that claim is part of an event. And so you're going to be paid for an event. And you guys are going to figure out how you're going to distribute the money. You're going to agree ahead of time. But you're going to be paid for an event. And the first thing the surgeon is going to say is, well, that sounds fine, but I want my money. 
because today I know I get 2,500 bucks for that surgery. How do I know that with your blockchain thing, I'm going to get 2,500 bucks for the next surgery? What do you say to him? What's the answer right now? Is there an answer? Well, today there isn't an answer. I think the answer will come when uh, the these uh, the way in which the transactions are, are effectively conducted um, shows very clearly that, yeah, you are getting your money. It's just not happening by you sending an individual claim to an individual insurer and waiting for the money to come in. It's just it's a different – the transaction changes, but you're still going to get your money. I've heard you also talk a little about before physicians, the desire that they have – to be participating in these new payment models. So what you're describing right now, it seems like that is what you would suggest is one of the more under-recognized trends in this industry. Would you say that's true? Yeah, and and it is because, again, most physicians don't really like uh, the way in which today's payment systems sometimes put them at odds with their patients. Uh, so, for example, if if I want, um, if I'm taking care of a patient's chronic condition, I want that patient to come in on a regular basis. Um, but that patient today probably spends a fair amount of money out of pocket in their high deductible health plan. So they may be hesitant to come and see me, and they may think that I'm simply trying to see them because I want to make more money. Because every time they come to my office... I submit a bill to the insurance company and I get paid. So if we change the way I'm paid and I'm paid more for the management of the patient's total condition, then the patient's not going to think that. I don't have an incentive to see them every other day, uh, but only when it's important for me to see them. Um, and I can think about their care in a manner that is consistent with the way I would be paid in a new payment model. So most physicians actually want the payment system to change. Most physicians want alternative payment models, um, but they're nervous. And for, for the reason I said earlier, today it's a comfort, right? Every, it's like going to the restaurant. You go, you you you, they, you get a check at the end of the meal, and the, the waiter knows they're going to get paid, and the restaurant owner knows they're going to get paid. If you say, well, uh, we're not going to do that on a piecemeal anymore, uh, but it'll be a subscription, and uh, I can come and eat whenever I want, and then at the end of the month, uh, uh, I'll send you a check. It could work, right? But... In the meantime, the restaurant owner is thinking, well, <laughs> am I ever going to see my money? So that's, that's part of it, right? We just, we, it's difficult to change people's behaviors. It's difficult to change people's habits. Um, and especially when you're talking about someone's income, uh, you have to find a way to do it in a manner that's not disruptive to their livelihood, not disruptive to a small physician's office cash flow, um, but will still accomplish the goals. Whenever you hear people talk about fee-based versus outcome-based, do you feel like they're missing the mark when they don't talk about blockchain? Is that part of it? You think that's that plays a piece there? I, I don't think they I don't think they realize that um, outcome-based payments are partially difficult to implement because of operational operational and in 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 um, 
because of operational impediments. Right? So in other words, you want to do it, and then you go to, if you're an insurance company, you want to engage in alternative payment models with providers. The providers may, may say, yeah, you know, that's a great idea, and I've, I'm tired of this fee-for-service stuff. And then um, you, you hit the operations inside the insurance company, and, and, and those operations folks are going to say, well, that sounds fine. How in the heck are we supposed to do this? We don't have the software. We don't have the systems in place. We don't have the mechanism to figure out if, uh, if, if an event occurs, how much money we're supposed to give. Are we supposed to give all of it up front, a portion of it up front? How do we get our money back? If, you know, in other words, all these operational issues that uh, people ask and, and ultimately create this massive administrative barrier to getting new payment models in the field. So, uh, and I often refer to it as the operational tail wagging the policy dog, right? So instead of of the, the, the policy being, we're gonna do new payment models and then operationally figure it out. The rest of the world has figured out how to change things when it makes sense. Uh, But in healthcare, for whatever reason, it's the operational tail just wags the rest of the dog. If they don't want to do it, if they think it's too complicated, then nothing happens. And it's been that way for 50 years. Do you overall feel optimistic it's going to change? I know you mentioned that you've been working a lot with John on coming up with some of these user examples, user stories, user case studies. Um, so as we're wrapping up, final thoughts from you on optimism for the future. What what are you thinking? Yeah, look, I uh, my sense is five years from now, we'll look back and say, holy cow, uh, why in the world did it take so long? Um, because it isn't that complicated. Uh, it, it's, it has a huge power of disruption, which I think is the other reason why um, uh, it, it'll be, to me, it'll be fascinating to watch. But I'm, I'm incredibly optimistic about this because everyone wants it. Everyone knows what the solution can be. Um, and the people who don't want it uh, have, uh, uh, are the minority. So... Yeah, and you're kind of shrugging your shoulders right now because that's the way it is. But but you're working, to, you and your team are working to change all of this, right? The majority will prevail. So how can someone connect with you and the team and follow along with what's happening and as it's changing? Well, we, um, uh, you know, people can reach me at at at, at Altarum at. Uh, uh, my email is Francois Debrant um, or Francois.debrant at altarum.org. You want to spell that too, just so we have it? Sure. F R A N C O I S dot D E B R A N T E S at altarum.org. Uh, I also publish a uh, weekly email slash blog uh, where I try to, well, not week, not necessarily every week, but uh, almost every Around week. Around every week, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, where I try to keep people appraised of progress and 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 how things are moving excellent thank you so much again for taking the time i really appreciate it thank you you've been listening to the hash podcast presented by hashed health find more content like this at hashedhealth.com or come to our next meetup and join our growing community of blockchain professionals and enthusiasts learn more at hashedhealth.com Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.